Welcome to another episode of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. And this week, we're taking a very early look at the state of the Mountain West Conference heading into this upcoming 2021-22 men's basketball season. And today, we'll speak with Jeff Grammer of the Albuquerque Journal. Jeff does a great job covering Mountain West hoops. San Diego State has been the class of the league under fifth-year head coach Brian Dutcher, winning the regular season title in each of the last two seasons, including a memorable 30-2 and year in 2020 that was only slowed because of the pandemic. The Aztecs' challengers appear to be Colorado State and Nevada. Both programs have a chance to be preseason top 25, and there have been plenty of coaching changes this offseason, including Richard Pitino at New Mexico and Ryan Odom at Utah State. But as always, before we get started with today's episode, please give us an auto-download on your podcast platform. You'll get future episodes automatically by doing that. Left Coast Sports is on most podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, the free iHeartRadio app, YouTube, and Spotify. You can leave a review as well. And while you're here and listening, please follow me on Twitter by switching over to Twitter at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R at John Schaefer. The Mountain West appears to have plenty of contenders heading into this upcoming season. Can San Diego State pull off a regular season three-peat? Can the league send three or more teams to the NCAA tournament? Who is San Diego State's biggest challenger? Here's my conversation with Jeff Grammer. So, Jeff, I know it's only June, but as you look towards the upcoming season, who do you think could be the Mountain West preseason favorite, in your opinion? So, you know, to not pick one right now. And since it's June, I'll go ahead and, uh, and not give the one answer. Um, when I come up with, uh, you know, an actual listing and, and obviously a preseason ballot at some point, I'll have to actually put numbers next to them. But, uh, you know, I, I have four tiers. Uh, I've kind of broken it down and, and I've, this stuff I've thought about. And uh, my four tiers, I, I have three teams that right now, I, I think three of them um, can win this thing. And San Diego State, the best part about San Diego State, I think, is, well, let me tell you the three first. The three are Colorado State. I think they have um, every reason to believe in Fort Collins that they have a chance to win this thing. I do think that Steve Alford and Nevada have a chance um, to win this thing, and they have a lot of reason. And San Diego State has, has done, you know, obviously they lose some key pieces. Um, at least we think they do. I guess until July, maybe there's always this this bit of, of hope that some of these guys around the league might come back. But I, I obviously they're, they're counting on losing pieces that um, – doesn't scare me off of San Diego state and, and I'll start with them. I'll, I'll start with the reason I have them as one of the three in the, in that top tier is, is I think that more than anybody in this league right now, San Diego state has a program in that they've done it with repeated or, or multiple groups of players that they, they haven't done it like Colorado state right now. I think Nico's done it for a couple of years and has been building, but it's with one core. Let's see what, you know, if you want to say that the program is built at Colorado State or even in Nevada um, and like New Mexico had there for a long time under Alford, you have to do it with several different cores of players. And San Diego State's obviously done that. So they've earned the benefit of saying, OK, they're going to plug in some new players, but you know what they're going to be for the most part. Obviously, there's a little bit of identity that changes every year. But, you know, you, you add a guy like a, a Bradley and the, the pieces they're going to add to what I think is really a, a still a pretty good core. They, they may not be the, the names that everyone around the league knows right now, but I'll, I'll tell you what, man, by the end last year, that freshman point guard, um, you know, Lamont was, yep. he was probably as good a point guard as, as there was um, most around the league in terms of actually running what they want, you know, in terms of actually setting up a team. And um, I, so I think San Diego state's going to be right there. You, you had a huge score. You have a program probably could use a little better defense. Um, obviously with Mensa, 
I, I say that relative to what San Diego State's bar is. Obviously, they're good defensively, but I, I think they could have been a little better defensively at times last year. And um, I, I think San Diego State's obviously going to be right there for, for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think Nevada and I think Colorado State are right there too. Obviously, David Roddy has a lot to prove. He might be one of the, he might be, you know, one of the two. I'm trying to think if there's a third. He, I think David Roddy might be the preseason player of the year along with Grant Sherfield at Nevada. Those two guys are the ones who will probably get the votes. And um, I think Isaiah Stevens is a, is a point guard at Colorado State that makes that one-two punch at Colorado State is pretty darn potent. Um, but I think that what people around this league are going to find out is they added a Division II guy in Chandler Jacobs that, that's going to be a big problem and, and a, probably a big surprise for a lot of people. I, I think the, the one issue with Colorado State that I have, and I think it maybe showed up a little bit, um, last year is, is they rely an awful lot. They're an undersized team. I mean, their stars, David Roddy is certainly an undersized forward. He can't really get away with playing the five too much, although he did at times last year. You have to go really small to, to do offensively what they want to do. You're counting on David Roddy as a six, five um, center, basically. And you add a guy like a Chandler Jacobs, a division two guy, but he's going to be really good. He's six foot three. And then you look at their other two guards that they lean on heavily. Obviously, Isaiah Stevens, I think, is a really good guard. He's six foot. And Kendall Moore is 5'10". So Colorado State's like they know who they are. They're going to beat you. If they're going to beat you, they know it's going to be as an undersized kind of win. And San Diego State saw they got some guys that can shoot the ball. So, um, you know, they I guess they're, they're never out of it just because of that historic comeback last year. And then the last team on that top tier I'll, I'll wrap up here with is is a guy I used to cover in Steve Alford and, and obviously his, his top assistant, Craig Neal, I covered for years too at UNM and, and they had a program at UNM. Um, I won't say they have the program in place at Nevada, but what they have is maybe the best player in the league in Grant Sherfield. I think by the end of last year, Grant Sherfield looked the part of maybe the, the, the rising star in this league. So with him and Desmond Cambridge, um, really good one, two punch at guard in Nevada. I think those two, are going to be able to carry him. But what I really want to see is, are they going to get some out of their post? Are they going to get Warren Washington started playing pretty good towards on um, the end of last year? He was really good, but really Texas transfer. Will Baker is a guy that was really highly recruited. Um, people thought a lot of him, you know, before he was at Texas, does, uh, does Steve figure it out and, and pull something out of him that uh, people thought he had before he went to Texas. So um, I think Nevada has a chance to be really good. I think all three of those teams you know, if I'm, I am an AP voter, top 25 voter, um, luckily, again, I don't have to put out a ballot right now. I get to hear how summer practices actually went, who actually ends up on rosters. Um, but I'd say all three of those teams are, are kind of, I'd probably say between like 20 and 40 range. I think the Mountain West has three teams that uh, I wouldn't tell anybody they're crazy if they rank them as high as around 20. And, and I would say they're probably out of bounds if they think they're below about 40. So if the Mountain West has three teams in that 20 to 40 range, it's a, it's a big step for the Mountain West. Yeah, there's no question about it. I, I wanted to follow up on some of the stuff you mentioned about San yep. Diego State. It's one of the reasons why you kind of have faith in them heading into 2021-22, based on what they did, even replacing guys like Malachi Flynn and Yanni Wetzel and K.J. Fagan. And I think there were people that thought that's a lot to replace if you want to get back to the top of the Mountain West Conference, but they were able to do it a year ago. So based on even the recent track record of what they did from 2020 to 2021, is that why you believe that they can do it again in 2022? Yeah, wholeheartedly. I mean, they, I, I was one of them. I didn't pick them preseason to win it last year. I thought they lost too much. Um, they, they have in place, though, 
what what is expected and and obviously like i said from year to year it's going to be a little bit different um they're not all going to be um championship level teams but i i'm confident enough to say san diego state falling off of the championship contender line is is probably not going to happen certainly not often um under dutcher yeah when they did the transition coaching transition um you know i had I had as many questions as, as probably most people around the league. Is it really going to work? Remember, I covered a, a longtime top assistant who people said could have been a head coach at other places. And, and Craig Neal, he took over the UNM program that, that Steve Alford had running pretty darn well. And, you know, he got to the NCAA tournament in his first year with four returning starters. And if that from the from Steve Alford's last year that went to the NCAA tournament as well and was a three seed after Craig Neal got into year two and didn't have that same core of players from under Alford. Craig Neal was not a head coach, um, not one that could carry over the tradition. He, I think, um, he, he doesn't like hearing this, obviously, but he, he's a guy that has found his spot as a top assistant and a really good one. Um, I do think he and Steve play off each other really well. And uh, I, I do think Nevada has a chance to build a program. Um, I just don't think Steve and, and Craig have been there long enough. Who's in your tier below those top three? Like, who are some of the sleepers heading into this upcoming season for you? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, the next tier I do have is um, three teams, and and two of them are, are really kind of question marks, and one of them will be a homer pick because I think I think New Mexico can get back into the four to six range, and they finished dead last last year, a bit of an anomaly. Um, I will start with kind of talking to you about the Lobos because that's who I cover. Um, they were dead last last year. They were a miserable team to watch and all that kind of stuff. But it is worth noting they did not play or practice once in the state of New Mexico the entire year. They were living out of a, a residence inn in Lubbock for a while. Um, obviously, San Diego State is well aware of what they were going to because they canceled games. Um, should they have counted as wins or forfeits or whatever? Probably so because they chose not to play. They, as you know, without relitigating the whole case, they chose not to play because they didn't really have a whole lot of players. And some of the players they did have just really weren't in a good mental place. I do think there were a couple players that, that went through some serious mental um, kind of depression type issues last year that, that didn't really get covered. And, and the school can't say a whole lot about it, but the reality is they, what they went through last year led to a coaching change, all that kind of stuff. They were a pretty miserable team. I don't think New Mexico's that bad. Um, that, that was an anomaly type season. They hadn't been trending in a very good direction, but I think they were, you know, seventh or eighth kind of type team in the league for a couple of years under Paul Weir. And now with Richard Pitino, who had coached obviously in the Big Ten for eight years, um, didn't work out there, but he was hired pretty quickly when he was available. And I think he's brought in at least three or four, you know, the entire starting five may end up being new players. But I do think, and I was at a practice just yesterday, I do think some of the returning players from last year's team that never really got a chance to practice with one another and get their feet under them, some of them are, they're a lot better than they showed last year. Um, some of them could still be pretty good this year. And I think, though, that what New Mexico is going to show a lot of people is they're going to, they're emphasizing shooting. I think the two top players on the team, if I had to guess right now in June, again, one of them not even on campus yet, but Jamal Mashburn Jr., uh, transfer from Minnesota, who the day Richard Pitino was fired, basically told him, you know, just tell me where you're going. I'll, I'll meet you there. Um, that was that was a done deal from from the jump. Um, 
I think Jamal Mashburn Jr., if you look at what he did late in the year at Minnesota, he, he was one of the better freshmen in the Big Ten. And he was playing behind somebody early in the year that didn't give him a lot of minutes. Once an injury came and he showed what he could do, he was putting up some numbers in the Big Ten as a freshman. That's pretty impressive. Um, he is not here in Albuquerque yet. He won't be here till the July summer session. But I think he will probably end up being the, the Lobo star. Again, I reserve, you know, the right to change my mind when I actually see him in person. Uh, with the in the age of transfers, you kind of want to wait till you see a guy in shorts and working out in the gym, actually, instead of just on, you know, Instagram and YouTube highlights. But he's pretty good. I think Jalen House, a transfer from Arizona State, is a, a point guard that fans in the pit are going to love because he defends. I've, I've never I've honestly never seen a highlight reel, a YouTube clip where, that a kid puts out himself. That's a defensive clip. And it's like all defense for him. He's a great defender. His dad, Eddie House, played in the NBA. Um, he is not the offensive guy his dad was, but I, I think he's probably a better defender than his dad ever was known for. So I, I have seen him play. Jalen House is a guy that they're pretty darn excited about right now. Both of those guys are a little undersized, 6'2 and 6'1. Um, again, you can get away with that if it's one or two guys, but then I think they're going to add a junior college guy who's also 6'2, a guy named KJ Jenkins, who shot 47% from three-point range last year and hit over 100 threes in the junior college level. It's hard to fake that. Even at a lower level, it's hard to fake hitting 100 threes at a 47% clip. Um, the Lobos could use it, though. They were fourth worst in the country in three-point shooting percentage last year. Richard Patino's Minnesota team was seventh worst. So those are two pretty bad shooting teams. The difference is Richard Patino's committed to it. Uh, the Lobos quit shooting threes last year under Paul Weir because they weren't good at it. Richard Patino said, no, we're still going to shoot threes, even though we're not good at it. So he, he does have a lot of um, good shooters. And then I'll add real quickly, the big men he's brought in, he, he has three 6'10 or 6'11 transfers coming in. One of them, um, Jethro Muscadin, was a guy that he recruited to Minnesota. UNM had actually recruited him. There's some past connections with uh, his AAU team in, in Houston, all that. But he's a, a transfer from Kansas that I think will probably – start at the four or the five. I'm a little surprised. I was surprised yesterday to see he's more of a stretch four than I thought a six ten guy. He can shoot from the outside and handle the ball. But anyway, New Mexico has the pieces to make a big jump. I won't go as long on these next two, but that second tier also includes Boise state who has a lot of pieces back from a pretty darn good team. Um, and then obviously UNLV again, it's, it's sort of a head scratcher. Like I, I might, I might be buying into a little bit more than I like doing with UNLV in terms of look at all these guys coming in. I think UNLV, even more than New Mexico fans, have has always been a program, not always, in the past five, six years has been a program that is built on, man, wait till you see what we got coming in and never about what's actually on the floor. And the transfers at UNLV are always going to be the next big thing. And you, they, they get overhyped more than any team in the league. Um, now they have a bunch of transfers coming in. Um, they got a new coach. Um, if Bryce Hamilton stays, I think UNLV has has a chance to be pretty darn good. And right now he's back with them, but you, you never really know. So Boise State, UNLV, and New Mexico, I think, will be the teams in that four, five, six range. What are your expectations for Justin Hudson this year? It feels like an important year for him at Fresno State. Yeah, absolutely. And I think last year he he, he did better than I thought they were going to do. I, he, he impressed me actually towards the end of last year um, because they, they were making a run and they were winning some games that I didn't think they were going to win. My, my reservations right now on Fresno State have to do with I want to see what Deion Stroud, their really good guard, and then Orlando Robinson, their, their really good center, what they do. Right now, they're both testing the NBA waters. Neither one of them will be drafted or, or go to the, an NBA team, but that doesn't mean they aren't going to turn pro. So as long as they... Um, are technically still kind of testing the waters. 
I'm a little bit hesitant to jump on board and, and say Fresno State is there. If both of those guys come back, they also have some other good players that are back. Um, if both of those guys come back, I think they're definitely in that mix, that second tier mix that I think would then push from places four or five, six, and then to seventh, there'd be a 14 kind of second tier. But if they lose both of those guys, that's why I have them in the third tier right now. I'm for now just kind of counting on both of them are going to turn pro. Neither one will be in the NBA, but both of them still may turn pro and go make a little bit of money next year. I was impressed that San Jose State was able to go out and get Tim Miles, a guy with familiarity and experience in this league. What type of difference do you expect that to make? And is it something that's going to play out over the course of two, three, four years? Or could it be something where they have some success and it doesn't take as long as some people might expect it to take? So Tim Miles was a guy that was one of the finalists at UNM. Um, the, I think the biggest thing going for Tim Miles is the success that Craig Smith at Utah State and Nico Medved at Colorado State have had, both longtime assistants with him. He had some success at Colorado State that, that parla he parlayed into a Nebraska job. So there's this idea that he he his formula is working in the Mountain West. So he I mean, he was he got his name into every job opening um in the Mountain West. Um I don't think San Jose State tech you know again he probably won't like me saying this i don't think san jose state was the mountain west job he he wanted um but it's the one he got and ultimately he wanted to get back into coaching and from a expectation and 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 direction and trajectory standpoint san jose state's as good as you can go because we know what their bottom is it's pretty bad um he, he's not going to be worse than what they've been i i do think that tim miles is going to get that team better i don't know what their ceiling is but i don't think it's very high i think I don't know that San Jose State anytime in the near future would ever be competing um, for a Mountain West title. I don't think San Jose State probably is ever going to be really competing for a top four spot about in that range. Um, but can he get them to that middle of the pack range? I, I, I think maybe so. I think he's brought in a couple good pieces. I actually like one of their returning players, a guy named Omari Moore, I, I really like. I, I think I think that they have some pieces that they can win some games. I still have them probably in the, in the bottom tier along with Air Force, but Tim Miles is a guy that um, his energy and he does have a track record. He's coached for a long time, long before his division one days, even I think Tim Miles will figure some things out and I think they'll pick up some wins next year. And if, if you look at the starting point of the four programs that did coaching changes um, this year, the starting point for New Mexico's last coach, Paul Weir was one year as a division one coach at New Mexico state. They replaced him with Richard Patino who has nine years coaching experience, eight of them in the big 10. If you look at San Jose State, Gene Prelo, their previous coach, first time head coach when they hired him, the next head coach they hire is Tim Miles, who has decades of experience, including in the Mountain West. If you look at even a, a Utah State, you know, Craig Smith didn't have a, a whole lot of experience, but he had some, um, and, and they replaced him with, with a guy who at least is a known commodity because of the win, um, and, and Ryan Odom I'm talking about at Utah State, they had the big upset in the NCAA tournament over Virginia when he was the coach at University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Um, so that was obviously his, his name's on the radar a little bit. I don't know that that's necessarily an upgrade, but they, his name is out there. And then at UNLV, a bit of a question mark, obviously you're replacing TJ Altselberger with, with Kevin Kruger, but from a name recognition standpoint, people in that town love the fact that a Kruger's back in there. So I think if you look at the four coaching changes this year, the program starting points from four years ago or, or from, from now compared to where they were with those previous four coaches, it's all an upgrade. Um, and I do think that the league's actually poised to be a lot better than they were last year overall. 
Which is interesting because they had two teams in. You could have argued they maybe were trending for as many as four teams, if not for what I would say was probably somewhat of a mistake would happen that final seven or 10 days of the season, making up some of those games. So as you look to 2022 and next March, I mean, would you be surprised if this league was able to get more than two into the NCAA tournament? So I'm I'm in I'm I'm in an interesting spot. I really think that the 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 landscape of college basketball is is going to factor out the Mountain West and the Mountain or the mid majors and the second tier um, teams a lot. I think in basketball it's a Power Six. I, I don't think it's a Power Five. But after that Power Six, I think it's going to be harder and harder for at large teams to to get an invite to the NCAA tournament because power conferences they have scheduling parameters now where they actually can't play on the road against Mountain West teams they can't ever you know a lot of these leagues actually won't allow their teams to go to San Diego State the for one year anyway we'll see how good they are next year but New Mexico's actually they finished last year with the 303 net rating there are leagues across including the Mountain West that wouldn't allow their teams to play non-conference games against teams with a sub 250 net rating. So like some of that kind of stuff is going to factor in against the Mountain West for years and it's going to be harder and harder. All that said, I, I think enough of like the AAC and maybe even Conference USA at one point, um, but I the Mountain West kind of makeup right now, I think enough of it that I think it should be a two to three every year. I think it should be consistently at least one at large team, um, obviously the tournament champion and one at large team. I I have no hesitancy to say it should always be a two-team league. And I, I think three should be pretty consistent, actually. There should at least be a three or four in the conversation every year. And I, I think part of that comes from a Tim Miles making San Jose State a lot better at the bottom. Maybe Joe Scott gets Air Force a little bit better. Um, but what Jeff Linder is doing at, at Wyoming, I, I think those teams kind of coming up from the bottom a little bit. And, and obviously the team I cover can't be 300 NET um, ranking next year like New Mexico. But I really think if the teams at the bottom continue to be um, kind of on an upward traje trajectory, which I think they are, I, I really think the Mountain West next year could be a three at large team. Um, probably those top three, San Diego State, Nevada, Colorado State, I think all three could get in without winning the tournament and, you know, pie in the sky maybe, but the, uh, the, you know, what you hope for the most as the league is, is maybe that second tier team, maybe a UNLV, everything clicks, all the newcomers, maybe Boise state clicks this year, like they didn't last year and people thought they would, or maybe everything comes together for New Mexico state in the tournament and they win the, the mountain West tournament and you actually sneak in a fourth team. That would be probably a little overly optimistic, but I, I think three teams is, is can be expected next year. And then lastly, would you be more in favor of kind of the WCC scheduling model, which is a 16-team league schedule, giving you more opportunities in the non-conference, or because of some of those parameters you're talking about, does it make sense to trend more towards around Robin? I think next year it's 18 for the Mountain West. There's discussion about going to 20. What's the perfect number for league games in your mind? I think it comes down to really being honest with what you think college basketball is about to do in terms of those other leagues. And and it's unfortunate you have to count on the other leagues so much. But if the other leagues simply won't play the Mountain West in the non-conference anymore, if San Diego State is, and UNLV because they're in Las Vegas still has this a little bit, if those two teams are really the only two teams that can get anybody in, I think the league as a, as a whole probably needs to, to move towards a 20-game, everybody-plays-everybody sort of setup. Um, if I'm San Diego State, though, I in, in no way want that. I'd rather go 16 because I do have the ability to bring in every now and then, you know, maybe a home and home with a UCLA or, or a Gonzaga. You know, I say that with Gonzaga. You guys want Gonzaga badly and, and like it just isn't quite happening. But you guys 
um, in San Diego and San Diego state has the ability to, to bring teams in. So they should want 16. I think overall for the league though, they should probably move towards the 20. Jeff, we're only five months away. <laughs> I say that I jokingly. Look, man, I, I just covered a whole season where I, I got to see the team I cover in person like twice all year. And one was like a, a depressing weekend in Lubbock when uh, like they were in a hotel, just they were doing their, their video watching film like in the lobby of the residents in Lubbock and um because they didn't have a room big enough anywhere for them all to go in with the parameters in place and it was a depressing year I just want some basketball to cover in person I'm looking forward to it I, I can't tell you how excited I was to be at a practice yesterday and I'm sitting there taking notes of the practice like I was covering a game and um, I'm ready for it man a lot of people here in New Mexico are ready for it I can tell you that I'm sure they are they are in San Diego as well Jeff thanks for doing it today I appreciate it man anytime Thanks again to Jeff for joining us today. And while we're still a few months away, I can't wait for the return of Mountain West basketball and the return of fans to some of the best college basketball venues in the country, places like Viejas Arena on the campus of San Diego State and the Pit in New Mexico. Also, this reminder, don't miss the best high school football games from this past season with Classic Game Time Fridays on Your View. That's Classic Game Time this summer only on Your View. If you haven't already, please subscribe and auto-download future episodes on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on. And please leave a review as well. And follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R at John Schaefer. For previous episodes or more information about Left Coast Sports, you can visit yourview.com. That's why you are com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up again next week right here on Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer.